1: Everybody, Doc Bryan here. Welcome to Doc Talks DX, Doc Talks Diagnosis. Uh, hopefully, you have listened to our first podcast with Dylan Palladino. He is back here with me now. Uh, we're going to talk about some things within the diagnosis side of psychology uh, when it comes to uh, the pandemic, when it comes to social media, and some, some other things that may be just an entertainer. Uh, would deal with. So Dylan, thank you once again for being back here with me. Uh, you offer a unique insight as to uh, a different side of anything that I would see uh, mm-hmm. from from this side of, of the room as, as a psychologist uh, and as a comedian. So thank you for for being here of course. Uh, about this. So we kind of talked about just a tad in the last podcast about how the pandemic has caused us to want to be more isolated. And, and you, you talked about how that maybe it was the, not necessarily you didn't want to be around people, but you didn't want to have to hear about everything going wrong with them because you needed the good energy because there was yes. too much bad energy going around. So as an individual here who has dealt with this, what is your coping mechanism now uh, filling this isolation? You mean by not seeing the people, or how do you cope with being isolated and wanting that isolation when others may be wanting to draw you out and and do certain things? Uh, to be honest, it's a lot
0: of I think. What's the noun for or the verb for ignoring? I was going to say ignorance, but is that the word? Is there a, is there a verb, there a verb for, for ignoring? I don't know. The act of ignoring. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot can of make up a word it's, exactly. I'm, uh, avoidance. Yeah, I'm, avo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of avoidance. I think there's a lot of avoidance of addressing it. Mm-hmm. Seeing like, I think what it really is, is seeing those people once every two weeks compared to once a week. Mm-hmm. And again, distracting myself with other things, other things to do. You know, it's like, I got a lot of videos to edit. I got a lot of other stuff to do. Can't see these people as much. I really don't think there's a way to bring it up to be like, Hey, I feel like a lot of times we talk and I help you out with their stuff. And sometimes it can be tiring to me. One, because I don't really want to have that conversation. Because if you do, you're kind of going to close that box for them. Right. Even if you're not trying to, it's hard for someone to find someone that, that they're comfortable with. So I think a big part of it is, yeah, maybe not seeing them as much. I think groups too, I've found. Hanging out with groups, can't really get that one-on-one thing. Right, right. So there's a little just safety net. It might just be me. Like when I'm with someone one on one, I kind of get more locked in, and I'm like, because I don't half the time I think a lot of the shit we talk about is so boring, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's because I podcast a lot. I don't know what it is, but if it's one on one, I'm like, you're so
1: funny yes, and charming, exactly. and yeah. just you
0: know. I'm like, if it's one on one, let's tell me what's going on. So it's again, I, I, the blame's on me, right. but groups avoidance, I think, to a right. bit. Yeah, right. one of them I think is an okay strategy. The other one not so much.
1: Right. So uh you have learned probably just as much about me in the last podcast as I've learned about you. But uh-huh. I have been in ministry for, for about 15 years now, and I currently do pastorate church. Okay. And I constantly say everybody wants to be friends with the preacher, but nobody wants to be the preacher's friend. Mm-hmm. And I think that even in the entertainment side and in the everyday life of people who have a certain level of success or people that we really feel comfortable with while we say, yes, I want to be their friend. It's that we want to have them as a friend, but not be their friend. And that reciprocalness of friendship isn't there. So in your situation, is it more of you feel like you're their friend, but they're not yours? No, it's, it's,
0: I I keep those people out. Like all of them are my friends. I think half of it is I don't really, I don't ask for help with my shit. I got therapists I talk to and I'm like, that's that's all I need to complain about. Maybe every now and then I, get, I bring it up. I'm just not a big neater. I don't like being needy. Mm-hmm. So I don't put it out there. It, there's definitely, in all those friendships, 100% there's reciprocity if I wanted it. Right. So it's more, I don't lead towards that as much. And sometimes they will listen to some stuff. I've I've, I've, I've had all of them right. help me with it for sure. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a picture of anyone here that they are constantly just taking. I think it's more of who I am as a person. I just ask less and mm-hmm. try to give more. And so that's a big part of it. But what you brought, brought up about the preacher, I think that's why a lot of comedians are guarded in terms of having new friends. I think that's why a lot of Famous people are guarded in terms of having new friends because everyone wants to be friends with Drake. No one wants to hear Drake's problems. You know, Mm -hmm. no one wants to really be there for him, hear him complain about. You know, I don't know why I'm bringing up Drake, but like, but that that's a good example in the sense that like, dude, that guy has in most people's idea everything, and if he doesn't have a therapist, he probably should have one Mm -hmm. because he definitely needs it. Everybody needs exactly, but I bet you he still is like oh man the last song only got 50 million streams and the one before it got 100 million sure and he's like i just feel kind of bummed i thought this was going to be a really good one and everyone on the ground is like are you out of your mind but i also fully get that it's all relative Uh this dude it's like we were talking about with the peak one of his songs hits 500 mil Then he wants all of his songs to hit 500 mil. Right. And even if the song that hit 500 mil isn't his best song, then he's going to get frustrated. What am I doing that this song that I really thought? like it's Even in
1: that, uh, you know, it goes into social media of, Mm. okay, I post this picture or I do this TikTok or I post this Instagram post and it doesn't get very many likes at all. But then I post this one that I I don't even think is good. And and it does great. And it does great. How do you think that affects us as individuals and our perception of what we think is good as opposed to...
0: It makes you second guess yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. And you go, do I even know... All the time, I'm like, do I even know what's funny? Like, and then you see a lot of things that are on those aggregate accounts and they have millions of views and you go, this is trash. And I think it's because we're looking at social media as indicative of what is the best. And a lot of times... It's not what's the best. Or it, it is for the platform. The platform is good for quick, easy humor. The platform is great for dad jokes, to be mm-hmm. honest. <laughs> Everyone loves a dad joke. Right. Everyone loves to send, to DM a dad joke to someone. Right. And then that and then that is just, that's virality. You know, it gets sent to 100,000 people and then they watch it and then it gets sent to, and that's just how it works. And it's because it's easy. A lot of it is like uh bite size where you go like, huh, and then you just keep going. And it's like, just funny enough, For you to be like, for you to send back a crying emoji face and that's it, you know? But then you go, I thought this was real. Like a lot of people don't want to pay attention on there. It it just, it does, it is very frustrating to me because I go like, I don't, and I personally don't want to fall into making those hacky videos in my mind because then I would like hate myself. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would really hate myself if I just made a bunch of dumb videos, even if they got like a million views. I think I still would be like, what am I doing?
1: Right. You know? So with you, I I think uh, it would be fair to say that in your perception, quality is way better than quantity.
0: Yes. Even though a lot of times you feel like maybe if I made the less like integrity driven things, more people would then be able to see the good stuff I do. So Mm -hmm. it's this weird, the self-worth thing, I think it really, because- Social media equals to you, these people all like this person. Right. That's how I think a lot of our brains see it. Right. Even though there's a lot of people I follow that I don't even think I would want to talk to in real life. Right. Or meet or hang out with. Right. Or...
1: Even so respect, that's why you don't. To follow be honest, me. yeah, that's I, why I don't follow you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, even like uh, on on my TikTok uh, and Shameless Plug here is Doc I'm not underscore on it Brian. Anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm. I feel sorry for you. Yes. No wonder you want to be isolated and exactly. And not be around TikTok people. is the
0: best app to waste time. It's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. It's
1: so good. Hundred percent. So I, I did this video of weird psychology facts that that was talking about that successful women find it harder to find a man. Yeah, of, of, I have a friend of who's a very similar successful. status. She finds it yeah. very hard, and the reason for that is that men often marry down. That thing blew up. As a matter of fact, it was translated into Arabic and got millions of views overseas. A lot of people and, were unhappy. Let me tell you, I got phone calls over that one. Really, yeah, like people demanding to see my license, and I mean, just like crazy. For real? But that's how I come in contact with Be Rake Network over that and the Happily Never After podcast, yeah. which hopefully the listeners would subscribe mm-hmm. to that and, and listen yeah. to it as well. But, I, you know, millions of views, but then I make a video about September being Suicide Awareness Month, and it gets 500 views.
0: And that's the important one. Right. People need to see that. Right. But no. 100%. The People have the one where they, It's because it's all about everyone arguing on it and everyone calling you misogynistic, even though, like, that's a fact about men and not women. And I'm sure you had some kind of study that you were referencing, mm-hmm. right? You weren't right. just like, this yeah, it didn't is just how pull it out feel. of thin Yeah, air. exactly. Yeah. And if you ask most people, you'd go, yeah, it does sound kind of like what I've seen, mm-hmm. you know,
1: not always. Especially if you talk to successful women.
0: Yeah. It's but, hard for them. A lot of guys can't get over the ego thing of like, my chick makes more than me. Yeah. You know,
1: or, uh, you know, a term we use in psychology a lot is toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. of where the man feels like he has to be the breadwinner. You know, he feels like he has to be in control, which is an unhealthy, That's unhealthy also a relationship.
0: Different definition, I think, than what is used in popular lexicon mm-hmm. of toxic ma- masculinity. Okay, because what you're saying with toxic masculinity is that the idea of masculinity is putting pressure on the man to do something that he might not even want to do, whereas I think in the public lexicon, it's men are toxic to all of us.
1: You know, right? What is interesting? They're they're, they're yeah.
0: kind of similar, but yeah, yours well, is like within
1: my TikTok. That's how. Oh, okay. The because men don't want to have relationships with women who they feel are superior mm-hmm. to them, but that is not across the board because no. there are those of us who have relationships where we do feel co-equal, and that's the ideal thing. Somebody even commented and said, so your wife probably has like five doctorate degrees because she's superior to you. And I was like, yeah, you missed the whole point here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You missed the whole point. You know, when we really think about that, do we get this and going back to talking about how many views, a lot of people think, hey, I get these views and it makes me feel good. And then we hear the word dopamine. Yeah and is in talking earlier off the air we talked about people going through intentional dopamine deficits yes so have you experienced that or or friends i've heard
0: people talking about it and i was and i remember hearing someone say how that's just completely bunk science and not a thing that you can do or should do it's like um, when people don't drink coffee because they're like, oh my, my adrenal glands are depleted. It's like mm-hmm. they're not depleted, dude. Right? You, right. you would might like, be dead right. if you. You. It's not e- that easy for you to deplete your adrenal glands. Maybe you're fatigued because you haven't been getting enough sleep. Because caffeine has a long half life, and so you think you're going to sleep, but in reality, you're not. Like, there's so many other things. But they go, I got off it, and then I felt so much more energy. And it's like, well, yeah, because you went through. So many people like try to hack their bodies, when in reality it's not the case. But right. yeah, I think a lot of people go, I'm I'm just so addicted to this. My, my dopamine is like not even working anymore. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think it's...
1: But that's due to the misconception about what dopamine, dopamine actually does. is. Yeah. Because a lot of people think, hey, I get this high because I've gotten the likes. Well, dopamine is a chemical that causes us to seek the high, to look for the next big thing.
0: It's the thing that makes you push the icon, right? Absolutely. And have that like, oh, am I going to – it's like every time you push it, there's the – there might be a bunch of likes here. Right. There might be a bunch of views. It's right.
1: like this – it's a slot machine drug. Right. Right? This might hit big. Or going to the refrigerator and looking, knowing that the same thing is there. There might be something that catches my eye this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I can't resist. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, opening Facebook 20 times a day. Yeah. Or Instagram or – and 20 may not even be in. Like, a small yes, number. Yes, exactly. As to Multiply that by
0: 10. Yeah.
1: <laughs> how we look at it. And so what actually happens is this dopamine calls us to seek a natural opioid influx in our mm-hmm. system, which the opioid is then the pleasure that we get. And so the dopamine wants us to open. But then when we open and we get what we're wanting, it's because opioid has been inducted into our system there. Really? So...
0: If you have a anticipation, mm-hmm. and then that is met, then the your opioid brain drops. is going to release a natural, naturally
1: derived opioid. Correct.
0: Okay. Right. And potentially also serotonin, maybe. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So then, what happens is people say, "Well, I get this dopamine rush." Yeah, you get it to open, but you don't ever follow through with the opioid to receive the pleasure center. So. When we are... feeling empty. Right, right.
0: Oh, so a lot of people, they are falsely claiming that social media is giving them dopamine, but it's not when they think it is. They think it's when they open it and they see social media, but really the dopamine is 20 seconds before when all of a sudden you're like, let me press the button. Mm -hmm. And that like urge to do it without even thinking, that's dopamine working. It's so strong that you're not even... You don't even realize when it's working. It's involuntary. It's involuntary. And then when you do it, once you press it, it's almost, it's not even being released anymore. Mm-hmm. Then the other opioids and serotonins are p- going to potentially get in there mm-hmm. if your expectation is met.
1: Right. So let me ask you this question Have you ever, what is your social media that go to? Instagram, Instagram Facebook. For sure. Okay. Yeah. So how many times have you ever caught yourself on your phone and opened Instagram? and not even realize that you had opened it. Half the time. And then you
0: like look at it for a second, or you go to your DM, see if Mm -hmm. anyone DM'd you anything good. Right. And then you close it. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what happens is you have your conscious, which Mm -hmm. is where you cognitively make decisions. Yes. You have your unconscious and then your subconscious, which people mm-hmm. get the unconscious and the subconscious mixed up. The subconscious is what runs everything in your your body, your involuntary movements. Okay. Your unconscious makes decisions for you every day based of. on your ethical values that you are unaware of. So our subconscious, because of dopamine, mm-hmm. is what pushes us to open the app because we're seeking the pleasure, which is the opioid that comes in. So unconsciously, and that's why we don't realize that we've even really done or it. Or
0: subconsciously, you're saying?
1: Unconsciously. Okay. Unconsciously, which is where we're able to reason yes. and to to do those things without it being in our... In, our, in, our for, in for the our, forefront of our right. In, yeah. right. That's why we see these things of, okay, the dopamine or the, yeah, the dopamine is seeking these things and so when we're not getting that pleasure all the time Mm -hmm. we're seeking it more oh
0: i get what you're saying so you can correct me if i'm wrong but you're saying if you're not getting this pleasure in other places in your life then unconsciously you're gonna go i need to get it somewhere else right i know i can get it from social media potentially or let me seek it there a bunch because it delivers about once every 10 times Whatever it is, right, and then it will, without you knowing, release that drug. It's going to push you to go towards it more, right? Kind of is what you're saying. I,
1: exactly. So yeah. let's put this in a uh, a more realistic sense of where mm-hmm. us men would understand. Yes. Uh, sex. Got it. We are looking for it. All We're always time. looking for it. Yes. That's the dopamine. Okay. Once we get it, that's the opioid pleasure okay. that comes into play. But then you probably have met these people that, that I kind of call, they are not really looking for sex, it's the thrill of the hunt. I've been there. To find somebody yes. who's willing. It's not the action, it's their willingness. Yeah, I've—I've. I've, that's been me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to social media, most of the time, it's not necessarily the pleasure, mm-hmm. but the thrill of the hunt, knowing that I can get it. And so we are reaching out putting out what we think is hilarious that's going to do it. And then when we get it, it doesn't really do anything for us anymore. It almost
0: feels better to be like, this could be really good. Right. And then when it only does okay,
1: yeah. So our brain chemicals are, I don't like to use the word crazy, but it's just crazy. Well, they're being hacked against us.
0: They were evolved to help us with nothing digital. Right. They were evolved to help us with learning a new task. Absolutely. Because, you know, you're like, let me try this task again. Mm-hmm. What, Like whatever it is, but usually the tasks that you were learning were helping you get food, water, whatever. So then right. it was like, release dopamine. We need more water. Let's right. try the task again. And then you,
1: right, yeah. So like you had mentioned, you were trying to learn to play the piano. Mm-hmm. The dopamine is the want to, the seeking to play good. The opioid then drops when you have reached the point of where You feel the pleasure of being able to do it well.
0: Oh, so the dopamine is me seeing the piano, being like, oh, I should play real quick right right now. Playing for 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. screwing up, screwing up. And then maybe even if I only get the lick once, Mm -hmm. that's the opioid being like, like, I did it. I did it. I'm getting better. Right. Okay.
1: And that's the opioid drop. So what happens in social media is we get the dopamine, but we don't ever get the opioid. And that's because we're not getting the likes, we're not getting the views, so we're not ever receiving the pleasure that we're seeking. But even if you do
0: get them, it still feels weirdly empty, even if you do. And is that because it's Because it's, it's so digital? superficial. Yeah, because you know it's not. Because we all weirdly know it doesn't matter. Even though none of us talk about it, we weirdly know that it doesn't matter, probably because it's not tangible. Like our brains only understand and they might evolve. I mean, it takes thousands of years. So like it's not going to happen tomorrow, but they might learn to appreciate it more. But, it, you know, if someone gave you 30 apples online, even if those equated to like real apples, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know why I'm saying using apples or whatever. I bet you could do an experiment where someone was like, I could text you a picture of 30 apples and you'll get those 30 apples. In two days, or I can give you two apples now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would be like, it feels better when I get the two apples now.
1: 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So what happens is, and I kind of did this experiment of uh, my birthday was back in June. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a lot of followers on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And so I said, hey, look, you know, if all of my followers sent me $1 for my birthday, Mm -hmm. I could pay off all of my student loans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's a noble cause. Yes. I mean, that's not somebody saying, well, he's just being greedy or selfish. Yeah. So I put my Venmo, my Cash App, uh-huh. and I got, you know, out of half a million followers, mm-hmm. I got $300. Wow. So I was expecting it to be
0: more? Exactly.
1: Well, it's a lot of kids. But no, I mean, back no. up. You would have expected it to be more because of the dopamine. You expected, you sought for more. Now, whatever I got, wasn't what I expected so then I need to find some other place to fill that void mm-hmm. and so the problem is is that we begin to fill those voids with unhealthy things oh okay you know if I could be candid if we go snort a line of coke yeah we have the opioid you know we've yeah. we've immediately got it, and so what we see, especially. Well, I don't want to stigmatize the entertainment industry. No, but it's true. But that's where it heads, and then that over opioid then leads us for more, wanting more, more, which then causes depression, and then we get to a point of no return. Yeah. In in life, working almost. I don't know. Have you ever met those people where you just think they're weird because they have no social media at all? Maybe not in New I York. I used to think they're weird and now I'm like, you're very smart. You're, very smart. you're a very smart And they are person. generally happier people.
0: Yeah. The only the only time that it's it's weird is when you're first starting to date someone and you can't like check them out. Check them out. Yeah. Right. But yes, they usually are happier people, mm-hmm. or it's the people that derive self-worth, Put all of that. From nothing to do with anyone else. Right. Yeah.
1: I, I don't know how often you follow the news, but about two months ago there was a 16-year-old TikToker who had five million followers. Charlie that girl? No, no. this is a, a different girl. She was in the UK and she committed suicide. Oh. Over a TikTok post that didn't blow up the way that she thought it would. And then people commenting about how she looked in the video and how stupid it was. And oh, and we God. know Particularly with TikTok, there is a large amount of anonymity that, you know, is not there on like Instagram or Facebook and these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, these intrusive thoughts of a 16-year-old not being good enough because they're developing, you know, physically, and then these push that I'm not good enough because Mm -hmm. everybody doesn't approve – then leads us to a point where we have the dopamine to want to but we never get the pleasure and depending on the person can bring depression even to a point of suicide wow. we have to be very 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 careful with social media even as adults but even more so with younger people that we don't get caught in the trap because maybe not you i don't want to stereotype you here but i can say with me I would feel better having a video on TikTok or an Instagram post that got a million views yes, than I would if I had one friend call me and say, hey, I'm going to take you out of lunch and I'm going to pay for it. We don't want
0: that. We, right. we wish it was the other way around. Right. But I think it's because we give more value to the views and everything mm-hmm. because we think it means something. But I bet if 20 years from now, Let's say one day you hit a million views, right? Mm-hmm. But, but but let's say for whatever reason, it didn't go, like, that wasn't the beginning of a rocket ship to mm-hmm. whatever it was. It was just one day that you went super viral, right? And then one day, one of your good friends took you out, paid for it, and you guys had a good time. Mm-hmm. I bet you you would remember the friend thing a lot more fondly than the day that the video went a million. I, I just think because you'd be like, yeah, a million people saw it, but like, what the, you know what I mean?
1: I don't know the million people. Yeah. And like, at the end depends of the day, depends how good the friend is. Right, right. It does. And, and, and what where you got you're for going, lunch. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had a guy one time said, so I'm going to take you out to a fancy restaurant. And I was like, sucked. okay, like, good. No. We were going down the road. He, oh, there's Arby's. Let's stop there. And I was like, really? He took you to Arby's? Took me to Arby's. And oh that was my like, God. To him, that was fine dining. So, of course, once again, perception is not reality. That's wild. What yeah. a guy. So, I mean, uh, good
0: for him that his life, Arby's is fine dining. He's going to have a
1: very... Right. So it it gets kind of to this thought of where something we don't really like to talk about is depression. Mm -hmm. But depression isn't always a diagnosis. Sometimes depression is a symptom. Yes. And depression as a symptom is a result of overthinking. Okay. So then when depression moves into... A diagnosis, it's due to that overthinking causing a chemical imbalance. So is there a way to keep from being depressed? I mean, based on what you were
0: just saying, it seems to try to combat the overthinking. Exactly. Whether that be meditation, I don't know, CBT, Mm -hmm. whatever it is to just help you.
1: Which is why talk therapy works. Oh. Because once you begin to talk about the depression as a symptom, Mm-hmm. then you realize that it's really not as bad as you think it is from another person's perspective.
0: And also, the thoughts aren't all in your head. Right. That's why I even, like, sometimes if I'm if it's going really bad, I'll just start writing what I'm thinking. Sure. And even when you look at what you're writing, it kind of weirdly gives you this outside perspective. Right.
1: When, when it's all in your head, it's like they're just all these balls. Right. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, write down. And there, there's also some psychology behind not typing it, but writing it. Yeah. Because it's... when you type, your brain is letters. Yes. But when you're writing, your brain is formulating words. Words, yeah. And so we have to make sure that whatever outlet we're using is working. And not to let everyday problems bombard us, because most of the time it's not the one big thing that causes the depression. It's all the little stuff that we've let nitpick and come in mm-hmm. and 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 bring us down. Uh, you know, when it gets into de- depression, there are many different types of depression, whether it be an atypical depression, a major depressive disorder, acute depression, symptomatic depression. It, it all kinds of you know, flows through there. But it is normal for us to be depressed sometimes.
0: Yeah, wasn't there that thing that Freud said he was trying to distinguish between chronic depression and, like, everyday, uh, I forget the word he used, but it was just, like, everyday sadness. Right. It was just, like, that happens. Right. That's the shittiest thing about getting older and just, or, like, basically getting out of college. And some people, it happens earlier, but a lot of times if you had a decent life, you're like, oh, when I become an adult, like, I'll know how to not be sad or not have bad times. Right. and then, but you're yeah. always,
1: but see, when we have that mentality, we're always looking for the next thing Yeah, and which is, goes back to the dopamine. And then when we, we don't get it, then we don't get the opioid drop. And so then we're not getting the serotonin that we need. We're mm-hmm. not getting the balance that we need. In talking about these things, one thing that coincides with depression is anxiety. Now, here's how I explain anxiety versus depression. Anxiety is the feeling that things won't get better. Depression is that you have resolved that things aren't ever going to get better. Now, we kind of put anxiety into a box of, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. And that is anxiety. But there is a cause of that anxiety. And so when we look at anxiety within what's going on, there are triggers. There are things that trigger anxiety and there is always a trigger. Somebody might say to you, I'm feeling anxious, but I don't know why. Well, they consciously may not know why in their unconscious, Unconscious, there is something. And so the biggest thing with anxiety is that if it's something that, that happens, that's not interfering with everyday life, your normal which normal is subjective but or relative. So if it's not affecting so, then we try to find what these triggers are, which then in and of itself is a trigger.
0: Yeah, because you're trying to, what is triggering me? Mm -hmm. And then when you find it, it's also the thing that's going to trigger you again.
1: The best way to deal with anxiety and knowing the triggers is to have help. Yes. For someone to listen to you recount your day, the time that all of this started— To say, okay, what exactly happened that triggered the anxiety? Now, of course, we know anxiety and panic are two different things. Panic does not have a trigger. It is completely chemical. So you can't control a panic attack. It's going to happen. Now, you may understand. You may feel your body going there Mm -hmm. because you've had them before. But a panic attack has no external trigger. Really, Really? yes.
0: So a panic attack couldn't be brought on by like... Seeing a snake or something.
1: No, that would be an anxiety attack. Oh. Because panic happens with the sympathetic, parasympathetic yeah. nerves. You know, fight or flight is yes. panic, not yes. anxiety.
0: Panic's going to cause you to do something, usually. Correct. Correct. But a lot of people describe panic attacks as them
1: not being able to do anything. Right. Because sometimes... The body just completely shuts down. Shuts down, yeah. And there are times, even in panic, that there are some people that experience uh, a vasovagal syncope, which is where that vagus nerve vagus goes. Nerve. We gotta shut down, and then they faint. I mean, they're just yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just gone, and really for no reason. But that vagus nerve can also be caused within anxiety as well, but. When we look at this, okay, what is the trigger? And especially people, you know, with PTSD, we hear a lot about triggers, mm-hmm. finding those things. But, you know, the thing about therapy is that therapy in and of itself is traumatic. It, it takes a lot of, out of us. It, it yeah. takes, when I leave therapy at two o'clock on Thursdays yeah. my therapist, I feel drained. Like yeah, dude. yeah, liberated, but drained. You're
0: like, you always go, that was a good idea. But it doesn't – it's kind of like when you hit – it's a little bit different than the gym because a lot of times you get endorphins after. But sometimes you're just so drained from it Mm -hmm. and you go, I know that was the right thing to do, but, God, I need to just not think or talk at all.
1: Right. Yeah. Then with that anxiety paired with depression leads us down a slippery slope. I, I would imagine I'm going to go out on a limb here and I could be completely wrong. It would be the first time today I was wrong, but I could be completely wrong. I'm going to guess that you probably do not deal with a lot of anxiety in your normal life.
0: I deal with anxiety of uh, constantly having to do stuff like what we talked about before, Mm -hmm. but not like seeing people. It's all underlying anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: But your anxiety would be more performance than it is everyday life of relational and that sort of thing.
0: Stand-up-wise, I have almost no anxiety with it.
1: Well, I mean, I'm talking... Yeah, yeah.
0: relational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I don't have anxiety with dealing with people it's mainly just always got to be doing something always got to improve always like got to make this career work and maybe a tiny bit of
1: people pleasing so you have a lot of dopamine maybe yeah because you've always got to be doing it you're always seeking it out you're always looking for it and then when you nail that one big show that everything goes great you get that opioid drop oh when
0: i when you nail a big show you come off stage and you don't want to talk to uh, me. A lot of comics, like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to sit there. I feel good. I just thought that was yeah.
1: because y'all were arrogant and Yes, it, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> for some people. But for me, really, it's I like, want this moment to last. I,
0: I almost felt like take a walk and, mm-hmm. like, come down and just kind of settle back to where I'm at. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's this euphoric sense of... It's complete of euphoria. This, this thing. So... In talking about the diagnosis here of, of there's anxiety disorders of where, mm-hmm. you know, there are constant triggers and it becomes something that is so overwhelming that it's hard to control. And so you would do, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy where you expose them to the elements a little bit at a time. Yes. To, to a picture uh, of a snake, then right. a video of a snake. Yeah. And, and then you're holding a snake. Uh, yeah. But cognitive behavioral therapy would never work for me with a snake because the pictures just freak me out. Like, Are you, you, You're that oh, scared yeah. of snakes? Yeah. I'm that scared. Like I could scroll through TikTok and all of a sudden there's uh, there's a rattlesnake handler on TikTok that goes and uh-huh. captures. And like every time I just like... Because
0: you're like I, adrenaline just... Ro-
1: yeah. 100%. And, and it's 100%. interesting that you
0: have a degree and you know how to prevent that in yourself and you still don't want to don't want to I don't have
1: any reason
0: to not that's right because you know it's going to be hard it's not going to be easy doing it right and also it is a fear that makes complete sense yeah that's like ingrained in us as humans to be like snakes are not good right but okay interesting yeah Yeah.
1: so that you kind of get that you know risk reward Mm -hmm. is it worth dealing with And I think that a lot of times people get to a point of where they feel so depressed that it's not even worth it because it's not ever going to get even better. And so then we move into a major depressive disorder. Mm -hmm. We move into all of these things. Now, what a lot of people don't want to hear is that depression as a disorder cannot be cured.
0: Meaning if someone's brain chemistry is off, it is by default going to go back there. Right. And I think some people know that. And those are the ones that have chronic depression that it just will not go away and are on some kind of SSRI. Right. Or, but is it that some people might have a smaller, because sometimes it feels like there are some people that are just usually more happy. Some people that are usually just more depressed. And is it maybe that their brain chemistry is by default going to lead them towards that? And so that people on different levels have to try harder to positively rewire their brain sure you know yeah so
1: like even like post-traumatic stress it's not curable you learn to cope and things get better you know your triggers you get better but it's still there it's always going to be there because your brain has been rewritten the only time that anyone's personality will change is due to a traumatic major life event and so that's the only way you reboot the brain if you will And so that traumatic major life event then changes your personality. It changes who you are. We don't like to hear the words, that'll never be cured. Borderline personality disorder, it'll never be cured. Bipolar disorder, it'll never be cured. Uh, And a lot of people ask, okay, if you're bipolar and you know you've got to take medicine so that you're kind of on a even keel, then why do we have so many bipolar people that quit taking their medicine? And that's because they're more comfortable in a manic state In a depressed state.
0: Well, I think they also just don't feel themselves when they're on it. hundred percent. And they also, a lot of times they feel blunted. The medicine we have is like not a precise tool at this point, right? Right. So where you're like, I'd rather go up and down than feel not even myself right now. Right.
1: Right. Which, you know, as a psychologist, I can't really have an opinion when it comes to medicine. Mm -hmm. But I I will tell you that even with bipolar disorder, when you treat the depression side of it, it's always going to be there. And so it's even more interesting for people because they just want to give up because they know that there's not a cure. When there is a opportunity to live a happy, successful life, even with this illness.
0: but People want it to go away instead of coming to terms and accepting that this will always be with me. Like someone that has a broken, if your foot was just broken and you couldn't walk normally. Right. You just want a new foot instead right. of being like, well, this is not going to go away. I can live a life it's just going to be a little different right or
1: being a diabetic yes you know it's not going to cure but you don't sit there and go well i'm not going to take insulin and i'm not going to eat right because it's not ever going to get better anyway it's like
0: well then you're going to die then you're going to die yeah
1: and unfortunately we see the same thing in mental health when it's not treated when it's not taken care of then we have people commit suicide we have people overdose. Mm-hmm. And so it's an imperative for us to not look at a diagnosis as the end game, but to look at the diagnosis as identifying the problem so that we can learn how to deal with the problem. And, and one thing I, I tell people a lot of times that, you know, they've done something wrong and that has caused these problems. They have lived a life of crime, let's say. And now they have ptsd every time that they see a police officer yeah and it's not because they've done anything wrong it's just reminding them it's reminding them of where they went is that a lot of times we have to remember that who we are is not what we've done and so in in a depressive disorder we may be a depressed person but that's not our identity
0: yeah i talked to i remember i brought this up to one of my cousins where he was always talking about his anxiety, his anxiety. And I was like, dude, your anxiety does not define you. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people define themselves by, I mean, you deal probably with a lot of millennials in your practice. I think millennials are so obsessed with diagnosing their mental health. Because Which then is they, very dangerous to do. Oh, I think it's very. It, it, it's like it also is not healthy to identify yourself by your mental health disorder. Right. Oh, I'm a bipolar. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm a borderline. And then you use that as an excuse for all of your faults and just who you are. And
1: now you're preaching to the choir over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But you see it and you go, you're so much more than that. You know, you, you see someone that's been in a wheelchair. It's like, they don't define themselves by the fact that they're paraplegic. Right. It's very obvious Mm -hmm. and they have to deal with that, but they want to be so much more than that. And I just, I wish that. People thought like that for, you know. Uh,
1: but, you know, also it's kind of a, a regional and cultural thing too. Maybe here in New York or even in L.A., people would say, hey, I'm bipolar. Where in the South, within the last five years, you would never even admit that because I think bipolar now, though, right? is a little more, yeah. a little more, depending on what they do for a living. Even in that, we cannot let it identify ourselves and we cannot let it justify what we do.
0: But doesn't it sometimes, cause I have an uncle that's bipolar and I never knew. Mm-hmm. And then when someone said that, I went, oh. It,
1: that like, explains it all.
0: You know, It allowed me to understand, Like that's why he did something like that. Like he went off or he's always seemed kind of sometimes depressive or like fully in your face and seems very happy. I'm like, oh, this makes more sense. Now it's not just that uncle whatever is just being weird he has this thing that he's dealing with. It feels like it helps you understand someone more. Does it not? Absolutely. I think maybe not going, Hey, I'm Dylan. I'm, I'm bipolar by the way. Yeah. That's not necessary. But when you, I think it's something that is gotta be done with, um, a, a way to do it in the right way, but it can at least help someone to understand a bit. Right. Oh, that's okay. You're not right. just being shitty. You're having an episode. You know not whatever it is.
1: In kind of comparison to that, I, I lost a very close friend in a traumatic accident that I was involved in. It it. wasn't my fault. I was Mm -hmm. present for it. I lost my brother-in-law to suicide. And so I am very, very quick to be emotionally attached to anyone. I tell all of my friends that I love them. Okay, so Dylan, you leave here today, Mm -hmm. and I'm texting you tomorrow. I'll say, hey, man, I loved having you on Doc Talks. I love you, man. You're valuable. I just want you to know that I love you. And you're going, what in the? who is this guy, yeah. you know? And so I do try to make it as awkward as possible because then it's like, uh, he's just joking kind of. But yeah. for me, I have to have that if I never see you again, at least you knew that I loved you.
0: I understand that. I kind of think the same way in, in a bit. My my uncle passed away in 2012, 2013, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, randomly. I wasn't there, but he was the first person in my life that it was very abrupt and sudden and I wasn't expecting it. And then after that, I made it a point to, uh, to tell everyone in my family I love you when we hang up the phone every right. time, even right. if it doesn't. And I remember my ex-girlfriend would always be like, it doesn't mean anything if you're just saying it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I disagree, still mm-hmm. disagree. Right. And also my justification was, no, no, it does, but I always want the last thing you hear from me to be that just because of, of what happened. I even say with my friends now because mm-hmm. like, I, I don't think saying it more lessens the meaning of the word. But I understand that because you're like-
1: This could be the last time I ever talked to you.
0: Yeah. And is that what some people argue- Maybe that's a little bit to the extreme to one side, yes. But at the same time, I don't really think that's hurting a lot. Like, no,
1: you know. So that brings up the point of some people's coping mechanism may seem absurd to us, mm-hmm. but it really isn't hurting anything. For me to say to you, "Hey Dylan, I love you," mm-hmm. and then you go, "What? And, you yeah, know, what I'm not used to this." Yeah. Does that make my coping mechanism strange? Yeah, weird? I think
0: a lot of people when they encounter something that they're not used to, they turn towards making the other person weird because it makes them feel normal and okay Mm -hmm. compared to, yeah, a lot of people care what other people think about what they're doing, but as long as it's not hurting someone. Right. Like, if for whatever reason, your coping mechanism for, and as long as it's not hurting you, if you told me that whenever I meet someone new I have to eat a full sheet cake, I would be like, you probably How did you know? Cu- yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, you should probably cut that out because yeah. it's not going to help you. Right, but right. if someone even has to, let's say you're at a full family, you're at a big family meal, and then one of your aunts or uncles or cousins, halfway through the meal, has to get up, and just kind of go be on their, be by their own for a second. It's too overwhelming for whatever sure. reason. Sure. Sure. I think a lot of people would present that as you're being selfish. You're making all of us feel weird, like. How how would you think about someone else besides yourself? We naturally
1: infer the negative.
0: And for the longest time, I agreed with that. And then as I got older, I was like, actually, fuck that. It's everyone else's job to go, that's fine. Let's continue with our meal. Mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt any of us for someone to leave. Honestly, even if everyone was fighting and someone said, I can't do this right now. And they walked away. The only reason why other people get upset and they're like, you don't leave right now. I don't want to make father, son, or like, I want to say, you know, I want to, because parents, I think is different. Mm -hmm. If your child wants to leave and you're having an argument with them, that's when you can be like, no, 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 we're finishing this right now. That's a little bit different. But like at a family dinner, if someone was freaking out and someone goes, oh, how dare you? You're going to leave us, blah, blah, blah. That, I hate that guilt shit because it's making someone else wrong for doing something when in reality, all they're trying to do is take care of yourself. And it's so easy to go. Just sitting in that awkwardness for the, the the thing is you just don't want to feel awkward, mm-hmm. but it's so easy to go. Okay, that's kind of weird. All right, guys, let's try to reset. We'll finish. We'll come back to this at another time. Right. It's gonna be okay. Right. But instead, everyone's so quick to which
1: leads me back to the point that we kind of interacted with. Of I don't know anybody an explanation for the way it's I feel. No, it's
0: true and and almost, valid. It's true and valid, and almost no one follows that shit. And it's so. Really frustrates me. My dad does that a lot. I think he's getting better about it, but like, he'll just, he'll do something where I won't do what he thinks is the right thing. And I might, I might even agree with what he thinks is right. And then his immediate response is just to drill into me as to why what I did was bad or whatever, whatever. And I go like, I don't think that's, I don't think there's a net positive with that.
1: As opposed to you being the individual that goes to your uncle that has stepped away and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, how are you feeling? Yeah, what what's is, going on? What is going on? Yeah, as opposed to saying, I just can't believe they got up and left. Yeah, you know, I, I can't believe that. And and so I hope it, they're
0: okay. Do yeah. you need me? Do you need right. something?
1: Right. Yeah. And so that person leaves feeling like even more empty because nobody even checked on them. Once again, you get in a slippery slope of anxiety, then into depression, and then here we are, and we have no idea how we got there. Sometimes I think people do things that they don't—they
0: re- aren't aware of how it affects someone else. Like. They might go, oh, but that's you, so
1: weird. Like, but do you think they're not aware or they don't care?
0: I think I push towards not being. Well, I think there's a fine line there. I think there's a fine line because the positive side of me wants to go. They're unaware because then that makes them less. Because um, you're inferring the positive. Because I'm inf- I'm inferring that like they, don't, they just don't understand. You know, if you explain to them, then maybe they would go, oh, now I understand this, how this would hurt someone else. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of people that just don't give a shit. And that's a shitty trait to have. Mm -hmm. And it's an easy trait to have. Sure. A lot of people don't give a shit because it's easier. I think an immature way and a less evolved way to go about life. And I think that could probably be traced back to someone in their life who didn't give a shit about them, which led them to be like, you know what? I don't give a shit about anyone else and what they have to deal with, which is that cycle. I always think if it's at least brought up to someone where you're like, hey, they'll like this because of this, this and this. This is what helps them just give them space. And someone accepting that instead of going, well, why the, why'd they have to do it this way? The there, guilt there. and shame. Exactly. The guilt and shame or being like it, cause all the undertone of that is why did they have to make me feel uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's your shit, dude. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I don't have to give a, f- about your insecurity or your, um, I mean your insecurity too, but like you're about your uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. You got to learn how to deal with that. At the end of the day, because if
1: you hadn't have made me uncomfortable, I wouldn't have had to leave exactly. Yeah,
0: or even if um, it could be out of nowhere, you know what I mean? Uh, There's so many mental, so many things that could trigger people, so many, so many mental disorders that people aren't, aren't even aware of that someone's going through. I
1: but think there are a lot of mental disorders that even in the mental health community aren't aware of. we aren't aware yeah. of.
0: Yeah, but it's like again, you might be at dinner and someone literally might just go, I gotta step outside, you know, maybe they do it in not the most calm way. So I would say for them, at least they should maybe learn how to, because they, they do need to understand there are other people around and, and right. how you act is going to cause a reaction in other people. Sure, sure. But still, But you're number now, one. Exactly. But still me now, I would go, I would clock it. I'd go, that was strange. That was mm-hmm. abnormal from what usually happens. Mm-hmm. Hope they're okay. Maybe give them a little bit of space. And I, w- I would probably feel uncomfortable. It's a normal thing is to feel uncomfortable. But then I would go, hey, it's not a big deal. They'll probably mm. be fun. Yeah. You know? Until they're gone
1: for 10 minutes or they're gone, you know, completely. Exactly.
0: And or or if no one around you has seen this happen before. Right. The best thing to do is to have some kind of partner who's like, they'll be okay. They just need to, they just need to take a break. Sure. They just need to. And then you go, oh, okay, it's fine. And then you move on. I think the, the strangest thing is how to bring them back in without making them feel uncomfortable about what just happened. I I don't know the best way to do it. Mm -hmm. I kind of think the best way is like they come and sit back down and you basically act like they didn't just leave. Absolutely. And you just keep talking. and then Like it never happened. And then a subject comes up and you go, what do you think about? And then you just try to bring them into it. I think that's probably the best way. If not, it's like. Inclusion is everything. Yeah, because if not, it's like you're feeling better. Mm -hmm. Then it's like
1: all eyes on them. That's right. Yeah, and and but we kind of have that natural feeling to want to yeah. be empathetic and say, "Are you feeling better?"
0: Yeah, it's a natural feeling in us. Sometimes mm-hmm. our sometimes the things we want to do counterintuitively, mm-hmm. or that would be maybe positive if it was just one on one, right, aren't positive when it's in a group. Hundred percent because we're all like everyone's looking at us. Right. Like, oh shit.
1: Well, typically, uh, Doc Talks DX here is where I have interviewed a person and then I tell them what I think their problem their diagnosis is. is. And so with with Dylan, I don't think there's any diagnosis here. I, I think uh, you have you have situational anxiety, but not Definitely. near enough to get into a generalized anxiety disorder or yeah. anything of that nature. So and even I, I want to note that your perspective of of positivity and care and concern Assuming that you've told the truth about everything here today. It'd be pretty hard to have kept up with everything and be lying. Right. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. not to say
0: everything I've said is something I got to remind myself to do right. every day. Sometimes right. you're good with it. Other days, you completely blow it.
1: Right. You know? Your perspective on, on things is very mentally healthy. So yeah. I, I, I think you're good. Oh, but yeah. continue seeing your therapist. Oh yeah, that's not stopping. <laughs> I'll be talking to her about yeah. two hours. So yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. Great. Bring up some new Great. stuff. Good. Well, uh, Dylan, once again, we were glad to have you here on Doc Talks D X. And uh, tell everybody again where they can find you. Uh, you can find me online at Dylan
0: J Palladino. D-Y-L-A-N-J-P-A-L-L-A-D-I-N-O, podcast stuff up there, comedy videos, me being an idiot. Thank you guys for listening. I love you all.
1: Okay, before we go, uh-huh. you're a comedian. Yes. Tell us the corniest joke that you know.
0: Oh, I don't do one liners like that. Let me think. Um, oh shit, I can't. On the, sorry, I, I'm all these rabbi priest ones are coming to mind, <laughs> but I can't remember the punchline. Here's here's the problem with me. All those jokes, I hate them so much that I never remember them. Right. But I will say. I appreciate when someone like the one you said earlier with the with the one works hard. Right. I'm like, I like that. Yeah. I like it. But I, I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna bomb this right now and not be able to deliver on okay. that.
1: So I'll give you my worst. Yes, joke. yes, yes, okay. yes. Did you hear about the dad whose son kept messing with the lamp cord and getting shocked? No. Well, he finally had to ground him.
0: There we go. See, I actually, I, I like those. I don't, I hate those on stage. But when it's, when you tell it with someone else there and you like preemptively, are like, this is a bad joke. Everyone likes bad jokes. Cause you're like, cause it's a, it's just enough of a puzzle that you're like, I didn't know where it was going to go. Cause the good ones aren't so obvious Right. that it's like that. Oh, did you hear about the ghost? Um, what what's his favorite cereal? Oh, booberry. And it's like okay, <laughs> like we like, but it's like if there's a, if it's at least one step away, and they're tricked, they'll laugh because they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Right. Those, those you got me. Yes, exactly. One of those you got me with your pun. Right. But at least it yeah the grounding one didn't see it coming. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, this has been Doc Brian once again on Doc Talks. Follow us, uh, the B Frank Network here, uh, Podcast Doc Talks. You can find me at thedocbrian and, uh, we hope to hear from you again and, uh, be good, be kind to one another and live life to the best that you can live it. Oh yeah. Goodbye.